Let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And we'll share a message entitled Abortion, the Destruction of Life. Romans chapter 1. We'll begin reading in uh, verse 18. We're going to read down to the end of the chapter. And with the Lord's help, we want to look at what's going on in our world in which we live. And certainly what does the Bible have to say about life and about death and about our life while we exist on this earth. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even the eternal power of the Godhead, uh, empower and God, power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing them what, sell themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and the birds, and the four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up, Unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one towards another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them, and that they, uh, in pleasure in them that do them. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. Our culture, our society in which we live is decaying before our eyes. Um, the, the heart throb of people seems to be more and more evil and wicked, despising the very holiness of God. Now, Lord, I pray that as we uh, consider what's going on in the world in which we live and we consider the word of God, what it says, and we realize uh, who we are in Christ Jesus, Lord, that you would change our hearts, Lord, you would give us boldness to stand on the truths of the word. Uh, 
not be intimidated by the corrupt world, but rather be empowered by the presence of God. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning who's not saved, our heart's desire is that they might receive Christ as their Savior. And so, Lord, I pray you speak to them in a special way that they would believe to the saving of their soul. I pray for every believer here this morning that we might realize um, what a battle we're in, what a struggle we face. These are not days for the Christian to compromise and, and capitulate to a world that is gross and immoral, but rather it is time for Christians to start living and acting like Christians and taking a stand on biblical principles and refusing to cower to a world that is so aggressive against our faith. And so, Lord, help us to gain some truth this morning. Help us to make practical applications this morning. And I pray we'll be able to leave here with a sense that God was lifted up and glorified. For we want to honor you, Lord, and we want to trust your living word. And so speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 26 is our text verse. For this cause God gave them up to, unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And so the women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. God has so designed and created the woman's body as to for the purpose of to reproduce after its kind. And uh, the, the world in which we live, we have allowed the world to manipulate our thought process and redirect our focus and our attention that we think we are the masters of our own body when in reality we are subject to the power of the God who created us in his image and designed each of us for a specific purpose. And I think we need to stop trying to rationalize this topic about abortion from the world's vantage point. I think we need to stop considering whether abortion is acceptable or not acceptable based on the arguments that the world has to present. But rather we might go to the word of God and acknowledge what God has to say about life, acknowledge the fact that he is the author of life and death and no man has the authority to take life and death into his own hands for themselves or for anyone else. Whether it be an adult or whether it be a child in the womb or whether it be a child that's walking on the face of this earth. And so abortion is the destruction of life. Let's be clear about that. That's what it is. It's murder and it's nothing else. It's the destruction of life. Back in January 22nd in 1973, uh, the Supreme Court ruled a 7-2 decision affirming the legalities of a woman's right to have an abortion under the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. It has been a horror story ever since, that approval and that acknowledgement. For since 1973, 61,017,471 abortions have been committed in America. 61 million babies have died. Now, there's more than that because the time clock, I was on a website yesterday, uh, the other day going through these statistics, and uh, there's a time clock on how many babies are being aborted every day. 61 million is a low number because there's been more aborted since I put that number in my message because every day they're being aborted. 
Uh, that means 28%, 28% of the younger generation, which might be called the Roe versus Wade generation, have been killed. Now you think about that. The amount of people that have been born, that what the population is in America at this point from 1973 to 2019, 28% of that population has been destroyed through abortion. They've been murdered. They no longer exist. They're not with us, nor will they be with us. They, their lives have been destroyed completely because of the legalization of abortion. Uh, New York State Right to Life told CNN in a statement that it is saddened that the New York now has what Governor Cuomo, ironically but rightfully, referred to as the most aggressive abortion law in the country. Uh, what cracks me up is the titles they give to these things. It's called the Reproductive Health Act. Can you please tell me what is healthy about approving and legalizing the murder of a baby? It has nothing to do with reproductive health. So the Reproductive Health Act was sold to the public saying it merely updates the law by codifying Roe versus Wade in our statute, which is not true. The opponents to New York's new law said we need to be honest with the public and say that this bill does not simply codify Roe versus Wade. What this bill does, it expands abortion up to birth and the third trimester. State Assemblywoman uh, Nicole Melitakis, I guess I, I know I'm not pronouncing that right, argued before the state legislator, a legislature. She criticized the part of the law allowing medical profession, professionals other than doctors to perform the abortions, saying Roe versus Wade requires a licensed physician to perform the procedure, but this law removes that requirement and allows physician assistants, nurse practitioners, and midwives to perform abortion. So what are we doing, going on the back street now and letting anyone be able to perform the abortion? She also argued that removing abortion from the criminal code would mean that if a fetus died as a result of an assault on a woman, there would be no prosecution. Being assaulted and losing your baby is not a woman's choice. But this new law, that's what it does. This, we need to just be clear, it is about legalizing murder of precious babies. In Virginia, of course, there's a bill they're trying to get passed, and it didn't pass, praise God. But in reference to their new abortion law they're trying to get pushed through, Governor Northam said, when we talk about third trimester abortions, these are done with the consent of obvious, obviously the mother with the consent of the physicians, more than one physician, by the way. And it's done in cases where there may be severe deformities, there may be fetus that's non-viable. So in this particular example, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly what would happen. The infant would be delivered. 
the infant would be kept comfortable. The infant would be resuscitated if that's what the mother or family wants and desires. And then a discussion would ensue between the physician and the mother in regards to whether they're going to kill that baby. They argue for many years that, that the mother had the right to her own body to be able to have the intrusion of a doctor to go in and, and rip a baby out of the womb. But now they've gone to the point to where the baby can be delivered and then the discussion can be made and decision made whether to kill that baby. That has been delivered alive. I, I, don't, I don't understand how somebody can't see that there is a problem with this. Effective as of January 1, 2018, New Jersey does not have any of the major types of abortion restrictions, such as waiting periods, mandated parental involvement, or limitations on public funding for abortions. Pretty much New Jersey is pretty well wide open with this whole concept of abortions. Here's a couple of quotes on abortions from abortionists, people who advocate abortion. Uh, this one person, I was so idiotic, we really need to get over this love affair with the fetus and start worrying about children. <laughs> you know, in Romans, where we read, it said, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They make absolutely no academic sense whatsoever in dealing with the reality of the life of, this, of the fetus. You want to talk about children, you want to worry about children, let's go have a biology class Remind ourselves where children come from. This other quote said this, No woman wants an abortion as she wants an ice cream cone or a Porsche. She wants an abortion as an animal caught in a trap wants to gnaw off its own leg. Oh, for crying out loud. Give me a break. We realize it is not natural for an animal to chew its leg off. So the reality is it is not natural for a woman for any cause or for any reason to say, I want this life that is in me to be eliminated. It's not natural. Why Paul says that even the women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. It is against nature for a mother to do anything to harm her children. Animals don't even do that. Here's another quote for you from the Guttmacher Institute. Each year, approximately 1.33 million pregnancies are terminated by abortion in the United States. 49% of pregnancies among American women are unplanned. Of the, those women, one half chooses to have an abortion. There is an answer to the problem. There is a, a proper response in dealing with unwanted pregnancies. It's very simple. Don't get pregnant. And you say, why? Well, you can't restrict a person's actions. You can't restrict what people desire to do. Well, man has all, really completely defamed the reality of, the, of a character of a human being in that we can't act any more appropriate than act like animals that are out of control. May I say animals control themselves more than human beings do. I grew up on a farm, and you don't know that. 
We had many animals on our farm, but I'm going to tell you, it was embarrassing. Our culture is embarrassing to the animals that was on the farm because man is so out of control with this thing. So let's consider they did change their natural use, and I want to go through some things. And uh, dealing with scripturally God's creation of man and God's design for man and what should be our response in dealing with how to overcome this culture of murder in America. First of all, realize this. The problem is there was a denial of God in verse 21 of our text because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. And because of the fact you have a, a culture that is aggressively and uh, getting farther and farther away from who God is. And may I say this, even among believers. And you say, well, wait a minute. Believers believe in God so that they might be saved, but they live like God's not real. And if we adapt the culture in which we are surrounded with, rather than living according to what God has so commanded, we're as bad as the culture. We cannot deny God. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him, male and female, male and female. Maybe you didn't hear me. Male and female. Amen. Created he them, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And so God commands that, uh, that man, he created man in his image. He made them male and female so that they might reproduce. And everything that God created, God recreated in a way that they might be able to reproduce after their kind. And so God has designed us, men and women, to reproduce ourselves. Now, here's what he does in establishing this principle. He satisfies loneliness in man. In Genesis 2, 18, And the Lord said, It is not good for that man should be alone. I will make, for him, make him a helpmeet for him. The loneliness of man. And uh, we need to teach our children once again that God's plan for their life is to find a mate. Our young men need to be men, and they need to be men that can be satisfied with a woman. And uh, we need to teach our daughters that God has so designed them to find a man, and they get married, and they are satisfied in life with each other. But we have created such a selfish society, such a me-driven society, we're trying to find the answer to loneliness through all kinds of other means. And as a result of it, we get ourselves in all kinds of problems. So self-satisfaction over loneliness is through God creating male and female and bringing them together. That's natural. Anything other than that's unnatural. Not only that, but identified completeness. In uh, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 21, it says, The Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. 
And he took out, uh, took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and he brought her unto him. In verse 23, Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Completeness. There is a completeness in a man's life by finding the woman that God wants for him. And there is completeness in the life of a woman when she finds the man whom God has so planned and desired for her to fulfill her life with. There is identity and completeness through the marital relationship of a man and woman together. You say, well, that's just fundamental. I know, but our world doesn't understand that. And the reason why we're having all these unwanted pregnancies and the reason why we're trying to justify getting rid of the pregnancies is because we've abandoned God's plan for man and what works and what satisfies. So there's identified completeness. There's acknowledged oneness in verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother. Um, I just throw this in here. Boys need to stop worrying about being with mommy and daddy and start being a man and go out and establish your own home. He will say, you're nuts. Well, that's what, that problem in our society. Listen, I'm a man. I smell like a man. I act like a man. I'm gross like a man. I'm stupid like a man. But I'm a man. Amen. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall be one flesh. Acknowledging a oneness. My wife and I, when we exchanged our wedding vows together, we became one. She doesn't have her job and me have my job. We live to support one another. She doesn't have her money and my money. She has her money and my money. Amen. <laughs> But we're one. If I want to eat, i got to be one. Amen. <laughs> Fulfilled reproduction. And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have begotten a man from the Lord. Fulfilled reproduction is out of that marital relationship between a man and a woman. That is natural. That is the norm for God. But you look at our world and you look at how people approach life. Do you look how they approach this matter of marriage? You look how they approach family. Do you look how they approach this matter of reproduction and all this, that, and the other? And it is so far out of whack and it is so simplistic how God has laid it out. But the reality is, it goes diametrically opposed to everything that the world is. Yeah, you're going to be considered weird. You're going to be considered out of touch. But I'm going to tell you, you can have the blessings of God rather than living in reference to that which is abnormal. So here we think, want to think about life. Man has denied God in the aspect of the culture of who man is and how we relate one to another and how we establish a family and how we reproduce. And so we need to establish the terms once again. Life begins at fertilization. The unborn child is genetically unique. It's human. 
That child that's conceived in a woman's womb when it is born is not going to be a dog. It's not going to be some other animal. That, that child that is conceived in the womb of a woman at the very moment of conception is uniquely human. And people argue, where does the life begin? It begins when the egg is fertilized. At that very moment, that is a unique individual that has life that if you leave it alone, it will grow and mature and be birthed and have a life and walk on the face of this earth. Life begins at fertilization. At 18 to 21 days, the heart begins to beat. I really don't understand how somebody can take a precious little baby and rip it out of the mother's womb. Uh, I was going to put some pictures up, but it was too gross. Uh, but you can, you can imagine, just take a look at your arm and take and downsize the size of your arm to fit right here on your finger. And that's what's ripped out of the womb of a mother. Somebody tries to argue and say, well, it's not a human being. It's, not a, it's just a fetus or it's just an embryo. Uh, no, you're lying. You're lying. If you were to take and do that to a dog, and what parts you would pull out of that womb of that dog, and you'd have little paws there, little tail and little ears and everything else, you'd say, oh, I can't believe you just murdered that little baby dog. But all you have to do is attach to it, well, that's a fetus, and so it's not human. I can take that life, and you can rip it out of the womb. 61 million babies aborted in America. The adrenal glands and thyroid begin to function in the sixth week. Uh, all body systems are present after eight weeks. Fingerprints are beginning to form by the 12th week. It's a human being. It's life. To illustrate this, you know in Florida, between May 1st and October 31st, the area beaches in Florida have an unusual visitor. That visitor is the sea turtle. And that sea turtle comes up onto the land and it, it lays its eggs in the dry sand and then it returns to the sea. Two months after those eggs are laid in the sand, they will begin to hatch. And hundreds and hundreds of baby turtles, hatchlings, will emerge from their nests and crawl back to the ocean. Now there are people that literally go on the beaches and put flags and cone off areas where the turtles lay their eggs. And bless God, you better hadn't break one of them. And you better hadn't dig one of them up. The law requires homeowners on the beach to not turn any lights on on their porch or the back of their house because when the hatchlings are hatched, they will get confused about which way to go, whether to the water or they'll end up on the highway and they'll get killed. You will be fined for doing that and likely in prison for doing that to those turtles. 
And listen, not one person, not one person questions whether that egg that has been laid by thy turtle is a turtle or not. They fight to preserve the life of that turtle. Let me ask you something. Why is it the people who will fight to preserve the life of that turtle are the ones who cry out for the murder of babies in the womb of the mother? Why? Because we live in a world where women have abandoned the natural use of their body. In China, the Chinese government has decided to abandon its decades-old one-child policy. A statement from the Chinese Communist Party Central Committee, which has been drawing up its next five-year plan, announced a universal two-child policy to improve the balance of development of population and to address the dire economic consequences of a rapidly aging population. The amazing thing is this, in the United States, in 2017, in the United States, the birth rate in America has dropped to its lowest historical level. For the first time in America, the birth rate is below replacement level. In other words, there are not enough babies being born to replace the adults who are dying. You want to know why immigration is such a strong thing and such a debate? Is because they're trying to get people in our country to replace the children that we've killed. That's why. It's time for us to stop killing the babies in America. And it's time for Americans to start having babies again. The nursery needs some babies back there, ladies. You talk that over with your husband, you get home. Amen. <laughs> they changed their natural use because they denied the reality of God. But there's also the dysfunction of education. Not just denying God, but in verse 22 through 25, we see the elevation of man. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And uh, when we have a society that educates our children and our generations to come in reference to that, they are the center of the universe. And everything revolves around them. This is what you get. You get this society where nobody can function. Nobody takes on responsibility. Everybody wants everything to satisfy them. And so the educational system has failed. You, you look at all the statistics about our secular universities in America, and our kids go in knowing God, they, they graduate despising God. They go in with a traditional concept of what family should be, they graduate completely denying the reality and the necessity of the traditional home. I'm telling you, our universities, our educational systems have elevated man to the point where they have removed God and is corrupting everything. We're acting worse than animals. There's the elimination of the holy in verse 23 and change the glory of uncorruptible God that's which is holy. He changed the uncorruptible God into the image made unto like corruptible man and the birds and the four-footed beasts and creeping things. And so everything that was holy now is despised. 
Everything that was trustworthy now is rejected. And now we want to live a life that is completely apart from that which is holy. Whether it's be in the church, it certainly is in the secular realm. But the sad thing is, even in our churches, that which is holy is being eliminated. The sexualization of society, in verse 24... Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. They literally became sexually driven in society. You look at the world in which we live in, you cannot see anything decent on television. You cannot watch the commercials. You cannot drive down the road because of the billboards or nothing but porn, pornographic pictures. I'm telling you, we have become a society that is driven through the lust of the flesh, and, and is producing children that are unwanted, and so they're murdered. Then there's the demolition of truth in verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. The demolition of truth. If you can say there's no absolute truth and drive that into the minds of our children, they're not going to listen to what the word of God has to say. If you can say, well, you look at the, the world in which we live, you cannot even watch a news report without being bombarded with things that are lies. They, they can't even look at a story that is going on or an event that is going on in our world and report a story that's truthful and honest and accurate because they have eliminated all truth. They change the natural use of their bodies. Not only do we see the denial of God and we see the dysfunction of education, but we see the debauchery of mankind. In verse 27, it says, And likewise also the men, leaving their natural use of, their, of the women, burn their lust one towards another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receive to themselves that recompense of the error, their error which was meet. So what debauchery of man, what happened as a result of women changing the natural use of their bodies and mankind rejecting the reality of God, uh, homosexuality is rampant. I never thought in my lifetime that homosexuality would be approved and accepted in a society, let alone homosexual marriage and all that. Everything that is going on. Homosexual, you said, where does it come from? Unnatural use of our body. A rejection of who God is. You start denying God. You start moving away from God. You start corrupting the world in which you live. Man lives unto himself. And as a result of it, now uh, there's an un undesirable uh, or unworthy or unwilling to acknowledge that a man needs a woman. And the next thing you know, the world's teaching that you can have men with men and women with women. And then you wonder what in the world is going on. Our world is out of control. Not only homosexuality, but humanism in verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to reprobate mind to do that which was not convenient. And then he lists a whole list here, three verses of things God gave them over to. What is humanism? 
It is the prime importance to human rather than divine or supernatural matters. So everything is about culture. Everything is about the way the culture is going in the direction of our society rather than saying, whoa, wait a minute, what does God have to say about this? How does God say that we ought to function? How does God say this, this is how we ought to relate one towards another? It's no, this is what I believe humanly. And so everything that I decide, everything I do, everything I want to experience is based on how I feel. Because my feelings matter. Well, what about truth? Oh, we already eliminated truth. But I feel this way. And so I'm a human being, and so I can act how I please and do what I want. Oh, I have a child. Oh, well, I don't really want this child, so I, I have a right. I have my own personal rights to live according to what I want to do, and so I can eliminate that child. So you have homosexuality, humanism, and hedonism. In verse 32, it says, Who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them. Hedonism. Hedonism is the pursuit of pleasure. Central self-indulgence. It's a philosophy that pleasure is the highest good and proper aim of human life. That's the problem in the church. You know what the problem with the church is? Hedonism. Because believers have developed a philosophy, I need to have fun. I need to enjoy the worship service in the way I think it may satisfy my flesh. You have to understand this. This is about me, and my life is about being happy and pursuing all the pleasures that the world has to offer me, and we live in light of that. We know the judgment of God, but we don't care about it. We know the wrath of God, but we don't. Wait a minute, it's more important for me to be satisfied. So we have the denial of God. We have literally the dysfunction, dysfunction of education. We have the debauchery of man that is all birthed out of this concept that the women did change the natural use of their bodies, to which that is against nature, and the men changed their natural use of their bodies, which is against nature because they burned in their lust one towards another. And as a result of that, we live our lives completely removed from who God is. And may I say this? The farther we get away from God, the worse it's going to get. You think it's bad right now? It's going to get worse. Here's a conclusion and answer to the problem. And all I did was just put some Bible verses down here. And we're just going to read the Bible verses, and this is the pattern that man should live and how to solve the problem that we have in America because it, the solving the problem starts with individuals because it's individuals who created the problem. And if we want to solve the problem, then we need to start acting like and living like a Christian. And our society and a world in which we live can start becoming a Christian. We have to stop allowing the world to influence us, and we need to start influencing the world. We have to stop allowing false religions and 
cults around the world to manipulate and guide the thought process of our country and start letting us as Christians stand up for what is truth and what is right and refuse to bow down to it. So here is some verses. Genesis 1.28. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. We need to get back to men being men, women being women in pursuit of each other to marry and have children. We don't marry for economic security. We marry to reproduce. And I'm always questioned over the years, uh, if abortion, you don't want that baby, why won't you put it up for adoption? My wife and I haven't been able to have children, and we've tr tried to adopt three different times. The amount of money, the amount of foolishness, and everything else that's involved in it. At that stage in life, we weren't able to do that. But uh, babies being aborted like they are, 1.33 million every year, you can't put any of those babies up for adoption? We're supposed to reproduce. Exodus 20, 13. Thou shalt not kill. Well, you don't understand the circumstance. No, thou shalt not kill. Period. Thou shalt not kill. I don't care what your argument is. Thou shalt not kill. Exodus 20, 14. Thou shalt not commit adultery. You don't have to worry about getting into the position of deciding whether you're going to kill a baby or not if you're not committing adultery. So that means, men, get yourself under control. Get off the pornographics pages and stop allowing the world to drive you into a lustful fit to where you conduct yourself in an inappropriate way with a woman, and as a result of it, the woman becomes pregnant. And you ladies, get yourself under control. Start being ladies again. And uh, we understand that, wait a minute, if you don't commit adultery, you don't have to worry about finding yourself with a child. You don't have to worry about deciding whether you should kill the baby or not. You say, man, that's awful direct. Well, I'm just, I know, I'm going to be direct. Malachi chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. Men, you start caring for and nurturing that wife that God gave you. For the Lord thy God, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away. Start realizing when you say, I do, it's done. That's lifetime commitment. It's a lifetime commitment. 1 Corinthians 7, 2. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication... You say, wait a minute, God created us with these desires and God created us to, uh, to long for these things. Well, listen, here's how you get over it. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. There it is. The sanctity of marriage. The marriage bit is undefiled. The sanctity of marriage in the reference to a man and a woman coming together to satisfy one another and to re reproduce who they are. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 14, Paul says, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. So, well, what is the will of God for us? That's pretty direct. 
pretty direct. Then finally in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. God has a plan and God has a pattern for us to follow. God has a purpose for us to fulfill. And America has gotten so far away from God that we think that we are the ones that can determine whether someone should live or not. And when I say someone that should live, I'm talking about that little baby right there on the right can be murdered after it's born. I'm talking about that little baby in the womb on the left can be ripped out of the mother's womb and murdered. It's time for Christians to start speaking up. We should have been screaming loud and clear years ago. It should have never gotten to this point. Never. Whether it's homosexuality, whether it's abortion, it should have never gotten to this point. And so, shame on us. Let's be bold. Let's be frank. Let's be sincere. Let's be loving. But let's be stern in the reality of what life and death is. These precious babies need somebody to plead for them just like these nutcases plead for these turtles on the beaches of Florida. And when I was reading that article, I thought, where are the people pleading for the life of these precious babies? People are, oh, well, we don't want to be called a fruitcake. We don't want to be called a radical. Well, what do you think? Those people aren't fighting for those turtles aren't worried about somebody calling them radical. They're not worried about somebody making fun of them. They're not made, worried about anything because they're going to save that stupid turtle. But yet we sit and we just allow it. We never say anything. We never do anything. And allow baby after baby to be murdered in America. I just wonder what the number is of how many babies were killed just in the time that I was preaching this message. Because they were. They were. Let's bow for prayer. My Father, I come to you. I thank you, for Lord, for grace. I'm thankful that we can be saved and know we're saved. I'm thankful for every person that's in this room represents a mother who did not decide to kill their baby. And we thank you, Lord, for life. I prayed you'd help us, Lord, to be an influence in our society. I prayed you'd help us be able to give instruction and guidance to others, Lord, to help them understand what life is. I'm thankful, Lord, that you said you came to give us life and give us life abundantly. And so, Lord, help us to have that spirit of grace towards the unborn. Help us to be able to communicate in a clear way the way of salvation to those that have no hope, those that are on the threshold of making the decision of ending a life. I pray you'd bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's